I grew up going to church every Friday morning, no, Sunday morning, every Sunday night, uh, usually a couple other nights of the week. Parents were devoted followers of Christ, and I went, went all the time. But when I was around 16 years old, the summer I was 16 years old, it dawned on me that I was not really trusting Jesus. If you would have asked me at that point, if I was a Christian, I would have said absolutely. I'd gone forward at numerous meetings, prayed the prayer numerous times. I believed, I agreed with everything I I heard taught. But that summer, I saw that I was not really trusting Christ. And one of the reasons I saw that, one of the ways that I was able to see that was because of scriptures like Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. In that passage, Jesus says something very strong and beautifully clear. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For anyone, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now in this passage, Jesus teaches us that that every single one of us is seeking to save our lives. You're you're seeking to save your life. And as a 16-year-old, I was seeking to save my life, which means I was trying to find something that would fulfill me. That's what it means to try to save your life. We're all looking for something that will fulfill us. That summer for me, it was surfing, and it was friends, and it was fun. For some of you, it might be career, might be entertainment, might be a boyfriend, might be money. We all have things that we are seeking to fulfill us, things we are seeking to save us. But Jesus says, this is amazing, that we will be fulfilled only by losing our lives for his sake. What does that mean? It means seeing who he is in all his glory, and so we turn from whatever else we were seeking to fulfill us, and we trust Jesus Christ to fulfill us. And he promises that when we trust him to fulfill us, he will. He will fulfill us. He will satisfy us. First of all, he'll forgive our sins so that the barrier between us and God is gone and we can have the heart-filling joy of knowing our creator. He'll forgive us, number one. Number two, he will start to change us so that we want God, we love God, we're freed from the things that were blinding us. And then third, he will satisfy us by bringing the very presence of God into our lives so that for the first time we know the living God. For the first time we are experiencing the joy that we were created for, the full and lasting joy, the only completely satisfying joy there is, the joy of knowing God in the person of Jesus. So the question I had to struggle with that summer, and the question which some of you need to struggle with or are struggling with is, how can we be certain about Jesus? How can we be sure, certain that he will do that? How can we be sure, certain that he is the son of God, the Messiah sent from God who can save us, make us right with God, fill us, do all the things he promises to do? How can we be certain? That's the question that Luke wrote his gospel to answer. 
We've been studying Luke's gospel over Christmas as we studied Jesus' birth, and now we're starting a series going to go all the way through Luke in the next weeks and months. And Luke tells us in the first chapters, the very beginning of, of chapter one, why he wrote his gospel. Luke was a medical doctor. He was a historian. And in the first couple of verses, he says that he has carefully researched eyewitness accounts and compiled an accurate story, history, biography of Jesus so that his friend Theophilus would be certain about the truths of Jesus. Look at what Luke writes, verses three and four, the very beginning of his book. Chapter one, verses three and four, Luke says, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Luke wanted his friend Theophilus to be certain about Jesus. He wanted Theophilus to understand why he should turn away from whatever else he was seeking to save him, whatever else he was seeking to satisfy him, and trust Jesus Christ as his Lord, as his Savior, as his all-satisfying treasure. And I've got good news for us. Luke didn't just write this for Theophilus. He did write it for him. But Luke wrote this for anyone who wants to learn about Jesus and have certain truth about Jesus. And so the elders here at Grace, we are praying that God will use this series in Luke in our own lives, the elders' lives, and us as a church to bring us to even greater certainty about the truth of who Jesus is and what he promises to do. So today we're going to focus on Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. But first, let me review what we've seen in Luke so far, just so we get a a sense of where we've come. In chapter one, Luke tells us that when Herod was the king of Judah, which is about the year one BC, Herod was the king of Judah, God sent an angel to a Jewish priest named Zechariah and told Zechariah that his wife was going to become pregnant and was going to give birth to the one who the Old Testament said would prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Now that's shocking for two reasons. One reason that would have been shocking for Zechariah to hear is that for thousands of years, the people of Israel had been longing and waiting and praying for the coming of the Messiah. And now an angel comes and says, your wife is gonna give birth to the one who's gonna prepare the way for the Messiah. He's coming. He's gonna be here in our lifetimes. That's one reason this would have been shocking. A second reason it would have been shocking is that both Zechariah and Elizabeth were well past childbearing years and had never been able to have children. And now she, at this age, is going to get pregnant. Okay, then that same angel went to a young teenage Jewish girl named Mary and told her that even though she wasn't married and apart from any sexual relations, God was going to supernaturally cause her to become pregnant. And she was going to give birth to the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who would save people from their sins and restore them to God. And this all happened exactly as the angel said. This is what we see in the first chapters of Luke. Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus, and Mary gave birth to Jesus. 
And in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38, Luke tells us what happens after Jesus is born. And in doing this, he gives us three reasons in this section, three reasons we can be certain about who Jesus Christ is. I'm praying that all of us will leave here this morning more certain that yes, I turn away from the other things I used to trust to save me, to fulfill me, to satisfy me, and I am trusting Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my treasure. That God will do that through all of us this morning through this passage. So let's start with verses 22 through 24 and ask, what does Luke emphasize in verses 22 through 24? Now, remember that when Bible authors write history, they're not just telling you what happened. They are telling you what happened, but they're doing more. They carefully choose which events to include, and what they highlight and emphasize and repeat in those events, they do in order to teach us certain truths. So we both know what happened, and we're learning truths about God, truths about us, truths about what, what history is all about. So let's read verses 22 through 24 and watch carefully for what Luke emphasizes, repeats. I've underlined them so you know what I noticed anyway. Okay, verses 22 through 24. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now notice, three times in these three verses, Luke repeats the idea of Mary and Joseph being faithful to the, the law, the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. The Old Testament commanded that after, on the eighth day the child was circumcised, they did that just in the previous verses, and then a few weeks later, the woman would bring a sacrifice to the temple and the couple would bring their firstborn son to present him as holy to the Lord. So that's what's happening here. Mary and Joseph are obeying what the Old Testament commanded. And what Luke wants us especially to focus on here by repeating three times the idea that they were faithful to the Old Testament law, he wants us to be thinking about Mary and Joseph were faithful to the Old Testament law. Now, why is that so important? Think about it. After they learned that Jesus the Messiah was going to be born, they did not at that point jettison the Old Testament. Well, then forget that stuff. They continued in faithfulness to the Old Testament. What that shows us is that when Jesus came, he did not come starting some brand new religion. He came as the fulfillment of the Old Testament the one who the Old Testament for thousands of years had prophesied would come. Now think about it. All these different ways that we've seen Luke, Luke has already emphasized this all the way through his gospel so far, even up to this point, and he's emphasizing it again here. But let's go back a little bit further. Chapter one, Jesus' birth was foretold by angels sent from God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus' birth was announced to Zechariah, a Jewish Old Testament priest. 
Look at all, all the connections with the Old Testament. The angel told Zechariah that Elizabeth would give birth to the baby that the Old Testament had said would prepare the way for the Messiah, and the angel quotes Old Testament passages to prove that. Then that same angel goes to Mary, a young Jewish girl, tells her she's going to supernaturally become pregnant, give birth to the Messiah, the Messiah that for thousands of years had been promised throughout the Old Testament. And then when Jesus was born, remember, the angels announced to the shepherds out in the fields that the, the Christ was born. And the word Christ is the Old Testament word for Messiah, who'd been promised for thousands of years. And so then in this passage, by showing how Mary and Joseph are faithful to the Old Testament, that reinforces the truth that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And, and this gives us a powerful reason to be certain about the truth of Jesus. Here's what I mean. Luke does not say that Jesus came on the scene and said, all the religious leaders before me have been wrong. Finally, now I'm here and I'm right. Is that what he said? Jesus didn't come on the scene saying, God has been silent ever since creation. Now finally God is speaking again. That's not what Luke shows Jesus saying. What Luke is saying is that Jesus is the fulfillment of what God has been doing from the very first day of creation. He's not some brand new thing. He's, he's the fulfillment of what's been happening for thousands of years throughout the Old Testament. See, from the very first day, remember we studied Genesis about probably two years ago now, the very first day of creation, God says, he promises that one of Eve's offspring is going to crush Satan's head. And that's a prophecy of the Messiah, Jesus. So from all the way back, the very first day of creation, we see prophecy about Jesus. And then, of course, God raises up Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the, and the people of Israel, through whom the Messiah was going to be born. And then God brought prophecies through Moses, and through Samuel, and through David, and through Jeremiah, and through Isaiah, and through Micah, all these prophecies about the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. So you look back through history, and from the very beginning of history, the first day of creation, Everything was looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And then Jesus came. And so again, Luke wants to emphasize that Mary and Joseph, knowing this was the Messiah, they kept faithful to the Old Testament because they understood that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So that's one reason we can be absolutely certain that Jesus is the Son of God sent from heaven who will save us from our sins because he fulfilled all the prophecies laid out in the Old Testament. He was the culmination of what God had promised for thousands of years. He came and fulfilled the Old Testament. That's the first reason. Second reason, verses 25 through 35. What does Luke emphasize in these verses? Let's read 25 through 35 and notice what's emphasized. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah. 
the consolation, the comforting, the, the encouragement to Israel, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The word Christ there means Messiah. And he, Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms, just picture this, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at this little baby Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation, God. Take me home. I'm ready to come home now. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is an amazing event in the life of just the early years, the early days of Jesus' birth. So there's a man living in Jerusalem named Simeon. Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel, longing for the Messiah to come. Father, when are you going to send the Messiah? We're longing for your Messiah. Bring your Messiah. He'd been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And notice how three times here, Luke stresses the, the work of the Holy Spirit in Simeon. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's take a little pause here. Who's, who's the Holy Spirit? Remember, the Bible says that God is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And so the Holy Spirit is fully God. God the Spirit. And Luke emphasizes how the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, is working in and through Simeon. Notice verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. So God, the Holy Spirit, was upon this man, Simeon. Verse 26, the Holy Spirit had told Simeon he will not see death until he sees the Messiah, which means I'm going to see the Messiah in my lifetime. The Holy Spirit had told him that. Verse 27, one day Simon comes into the temple in the Spirit, which means he was just powerfully sensing the presence of God, the, the love of God, the, the beauty, the glory of God. He was, just, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And when Simeon saw Mary and Joseph with little baby Jesus, he said, can I, can I hold him? And, and, he, and he took little baby Jesus and he said, I, I've seen your salvation, God. The consolation of Israel is here. You can take me home. I'm ready to go. Thank you. And then notice what the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to say how he describes the Messiah and what he would do, verses 28 to 35. First of all, verse 30. 
He says, I've seen your salvation. Jesus is God's salvation. God's way of saving men and women from sin so we can be reconciled to God our creator, have the joy of knowing him. Jesus is how God does that. The Holy Spirit leads Simeon to say that. Verse 31, he says, this salvation is in the presence of all peoples. Underline that word peoples in your Bible. That's, that means that every ethnicity, every skin color, every language group, every racial group can experience this salvation. So no matter what race you're from, skin color you have, language you're used to speaking, you can be saved through Jesus. It's for all peoples. Verse 32, this Messiah, Jesus, will bring the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the light of God's glory to the people of Israel. This is beautiful. Sin has blinded our spiritual eyes, so we, 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 we can, can't see, can't feel the glory of God. The Holy Spirit, through Jesus' power, can set us free from our spiritual blindness, can soften our hearts so that we see and feel and behold the glory of God in Jesus, which is the most spectacular reality in the universe. That's what Jesus does for us. Verse 34, the Messiah will cause many, I think what this means is, to fall in repentance and be raised up to new life in knowing God, but the Messiah will also be opposed. So here's a question to ask. Have you fallen before the Lord Jesus in repentance? And have you experienced him raising you up to new life? I mean, that could happen to you today. Also, verse 35, the Messiah will bring great grief to Mary. I think that means that as she is there watching him die on the cross. And notice how God in love, compassion, tells her this so that she'll be prepared. This is what Simeon, Holy Spirit was speaking through Simeon. My, my soul is being pierced, but this is all part of God's plan. Think about how that would have helped her and comforted her. And also in verse 35, Jesus will reveal the true condition of people's hearts. Jesus taught a couple times in the Gospel of John. Do you want to know who loves God, who knows God? Those who welcome Jesus. Because see, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God walking on the earth. God has become in Jesus a man. And so anybody who welcomes Jesus, that shows that they love God. But anybody who doesn't welcome Jesus shows that they do not love God. They do not want to welcome God into their lives. And so Jesus is like a litmus test by which people can discern what's the reality of their hearts. Now notice, all these things are what the Holy Spirit has led Simeon to say about the Messiah. Simeon is full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's on him, and he speaks these things by the Holy Spirit. And I think the point is, Luke wants us to understand, this is not just Simeon talking. This is God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through Simeon about who Jesus is, why Jesus is coming. This is God speaking, and that gives us a very powerful second 
reason because here Jesus is just a baby, Mary and Joseph are there, and God the Holy Spirit through Simeon is saying, this is the Messiah. This is my salvation. This baby is going to grow up to be the one who will bring salvation to people from all nations, tongues, and tribe. This is the one who you need to fall before in repentance, and then he will raise you up to brand new life as you do that. This is the one. So here, the second, no, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, is speaking about who Jesus is, and if God is telling us that this is who Jesus is, then this is who Jesus is, and we can be certain about it. One more event. I love this one. I love all of them, but love this one too. Verses 36 to 38, what does Luke emphasize in these verses? Hmm. Look at what happens here. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, they were married for seven years, and then he died, and then as a widow until she was 84. See what Luke's focusing on here? She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So in the temple, there's all these people who are praying for the Messiah to come, longing for the Messiah to come, and Anna says, he's here. Now, what do we know about Anna? Notice the things that Luke emphasizes about her. First of all, she was a prophetess, which means that she had the spiritual gift of prophecy and oftentimes God would give her a word of prophecy to speak, words which would come true, words which would be great encouragement to the people around her. So she was a, a prophetess. Also, he says, Luke says that she was of the tribe of Asher, which just confirms she was part of God's Old Testament Israelite people. And then notice how much Luke emphasizes how old she was, which shows how many years she night and day worshiped and fasted and prayed in the temple. Verse 36, she was advanced in years. Verse 36, she was married seven years and her husband died. Verse 37, she was a widow until she was 84. And then in verse 37, he goes on, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So for at least 60 years, night and day, Anna was in the temple. I mean, just picture her, praise you God. I love you, Father. What a glorious God you are. Thank you, Lord. Send the Messiah. I'm seeking you. I'm crying out to you, God. Bless, strengthen your people. God, save the nations. Night and day, fasting and prayer for 60 plus years. Anna, this prophetess. And the very hour that Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus come into the temple, Anna comes up and she sees Jesus. And what does she do? Luke says she gives thanks to God. There's Jesus. Thank you, God. She knew. This is Jesus. She knew. 
And then she talks to all the people around her. Everyone, the Messiah's here. Here he is, the consolation of Israel, the one who's gonna redeem us from our sins. Here he is, this is the Messiah, he has come. And this is the third reason that Luke gives us for why we can be certain that Jesus is who he said he was. It's because a prophetess who for years had prayed and worshiped and fasted night and day, she confirmed that this baby was the Messiah. What struck me as I was looking at this again just this morning is that you know, Jesus didn't just think up, I think I'm gonna call myself the Messiah. I think I'll be the Messiah. This didn't come from just Jesus. In this story, what's Jesus? I mean, he's a baby in this story, right? He's not saying this. This is coming from Anna, this prophetess who for years had been in the temple night and day, praying and worshiping and fasting. And then of course, Simeon. So it came from out, I mean, Jesus said it as well, but here he's a baby and other people are saying this about Jesus. So here's the last question I want us to think about. How can we be certain about who Jesus Christ is? None of us is certain enough. Some of us need to become much more certain and some of you have maybe never considered that, but how can we be certain? We can be, but how? And Luke writes this whole gospel to give his friend Theophilus and anybody who's interested certain truth about Jesus Christ. Now there's lots of reasons we can become uncertain. For example, we can become uncertain because we've heard skeptics uh, raise questions about Jesus that maybe we think we can't answer or we think can't be answered. If you think you've heard some of those questions, let's talk about them, but that can make people uncertain, right? You watch a certain TV show, read a book, there's lots of skeptics out there. Also, we can become skeptical, we can become less certain because we're living in Abu Dhabi and we're surrounded by people who worship a different God than we do. And they're surrounded and that can make you, well, so who are we to say that we're, what we believe is true? That can create uncertainty in our hearts. We can become uncertain because we've, we've drifted away from fellowship. Anybody experience that happening? Drift away from fellowship, drift away from the word of God, stop reading the scriptures, drift away from prayer, really seeking God's face. You drift away from those things, you will become less certain. You'll experience that. We can also become uncertain because we're trying to have like, like one foot in the things of Jesus and then one foot in the things of the world. I kind of want the best of both worlds and that's a balancing act you're not gonna be able to put off and that will make you uncertain, right? These are some of the reasons we become uncertain. But Luke tells us we have every reason to be absolutely certain about the truth of Jesus. And here he gives us three reasons. Three reasons which gives us certainty. Yes, I want to turn from whatever else I've been trusting to save me, to fulfill me. And I want to trust Jesus Christ 100% as my Savior, as my Lord, as my all-satisfying treasure. So what are those reasons? Let's just review them. One, because Mary and Joseph's faithfulness to the Old Testament 
Knowing that Jesus was the Messiah, their faithfulness to continue in the Old Testament law shows that Jesus wasn't something brand new. He was the fulfillment of what God had been doing for thousands of years through the Old Testament. And if God had been leading up to Jesus for thousands of years, thousands of years, thousands of years, then Jesus is the Messiah. We can be absolutely certain about him. Second reason, because God, the Holy Spirit, testified through Simeon that Jesus was the Messiah. So it wasn't just Simeon talking. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had told him, you are not gonna die until you see the Messiah. He saw the Messiah. This was all from God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity said, this baby is my Messiah. I've sent to the world to save you from your sins. Trust him. Third reason, a prophetess who for years had prayed and worshiped night and day, confirmed that this baby was the Messiah. It wasn't just that Jesus came up with this. He was a baby. God stirred Anna to confirm that this baby is the Messiah. He is Jesus. I was talking to my father on the phone a couple of Sunday nights ago, and, and my father wrote a, wrote a little book about about Luke's gospel for his, his PhD. And, and he's just reminding me, you know, Luke loved to talk about history because Luke likes to give us evidence so that we can be certain about the truth of Jesus. And I just thought, I said, Dad, we're gonna be starting to study Luke pretty soon. He said, oh, that's gonna be so good. Luke gives us history. Luke was a historian. He carefully researched eyewitness accounts and put these together so that we can be certain about Jesus. So I want to call you this morning. Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you have and you've become less certain. We're all different places, but every one of us needs to become more certain about the truth of Jesus this morning, don't we? And we have every reason to be completely certain about the truth of Jesus Christ. So look at what Luke has done. Let's keep going through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be seeing more and more evidence for why we can be certain. But my call to you this morning is, in a fresh way, turn from whatever else you were trusting to save you. Turn from whatever else you were looking to to fulfill you. Leave that behind you. Turn away from that. Repent of that. And turn to Jesus Christ and trust him in a fresh, deep, renewed way today. He will forgive you. And you'll be assured that you have complete access to God now because of what Jesus has done. He will change you so that your heart wants Jesus more than anything else. You want God. You want to know God through Jesus. And he will bring the very presence of God upon you. He will pour God's spirit into, into your heart. You'll feel God's love. You'll behold his glory. You will know God. Yes, this is what it's all about. Luke gives us every reason to be absolutely certain. Turn from everything else and trust Jesus in a fresh, new way this morning. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us. Thank you, Father, for having Luke write this gospel. Luke, the medical doctor, Luke, the historian, carefully researched eyewitness accounts of what happened in Jesus' life. And thank you for these three events that Luke has given us. And Lord, the, the certainty 
as we see that for thousands of years, from the very first day of creation, you had promised that the Messiah would come. As we see Simeon by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity testifying that Jesus is the Messiah. As we see Anna, who for over 60 years had been in the temple worshiping and fasting and praying, saying, this is the Messiah. God, I pray that right now, by your Spirit, you would take these truths and that certainty would arise in our hearts. Help us to see we have no reason to doubt the truth of Jesus Christ. Help us with joy to turn from whatever else we've been trusting to save us, to fulfill us, and let us trust Jesus. And Jesus, we praise you for the cross. We praise you for your resurrection. We praise you for coming. We praise you for what you do in us as we turn to trust you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.